Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bob with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to be here on a great Wednesday morning, coming and opening up the Word of Truth. And I'm just glad you're with us today. If you're joining us for the very first time, if you're listening to this uh, on a delayed broadcast or podcast or something uh, in electronic format or someone's just been kind enough to hand you a CD, we're glad to have you. And if you've missed any of our previous classes, we are teaching an expository class through the book of Romans, and we are on the fifth chapter today. And if you want to go ahead and start turning there, we're going to be uh, looking at the, the beginning with the twelfth verse. Uh, we have had, I believe, what is this, Deb? This is going to be our 50, 54th class on the book of Romans. So we're glad you're here, but if you've missed those, you really have not missed those. You can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com. And uh, click on Raven Institute, and it'll give you a link where you can actually go and download all of the previous classes in MP3 format. The daily classes are on, if you can go to our website, once again, www.biggrace.com, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. You can click on Raven Magazine, and it'll actually take you to the daily uh, classes that are offered just later in the afternoon. You can go download those. A lot of our folks that are out there, and you too that are in foreign countries because of the time difference, a lot of those uh, folks like that, that's what they do. They go in there and and download it at a later time, and they participate in the class in that way. So I encourage you to go and uh, download those and and get that in your heart and your spirit. And and you can use them. Some people are using them for their daily devotion and uh, as kind of a catalyst in their Bible study, but... We just want to make those things available to you. They're not copyrighted or anything else. Uh, you can put your name on them. I don't know if you talk as like you're from Texas like I do, but that's okay. You can tell somebody you did it. It's all freely we have received, and so freely we give. And glad for you to use those type of things in whatever way. And uh, by no means do we believe that this is the end all uh, of everything, but we just hope to impart into you that which God has given and entrusted us in the Word of God and hopefully cause just a fire and a desire to come to you to study the Word of God that you can uh, be a workman rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And so glad that you're here. If you want other information on the on the ministry, once again, go to www.biggrace.com and it will all be there. And we're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also on Tuesday nights from 8.30 until 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have the Raven Nation Live program, which uh, come to that, anything is bound to happen on that one. We, we, do the, we do the teaching on this, but we have worship the Word, we have testimonies, and we just let the, the Holy Ghost really flow and move on those. And so, good to be here, good to have you folks that are, that are with us live every single morning, and good to have you guys that are listening uh, by a recorded uh, or delayed broadcast of these classes. Once again, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask God's blessing upon this. And we always pray for the sick. We believe that that God is a miracle-working God. And I I receive requests all the time for prayer requests, and we pray for those as our international intercessory team comes together on uh, Tuesday night, but as well for those that, that come together with us. We just lift up and believe the Lord Jesus for healing and a touch and miracles to happen in people's life. And I don't believe that today is any exception to that rule. I believe that there is a miracle waiting on us to happen. Just sometimes we've got to position ourselves for the power of God to flow and to move. And sometimes it's just a matter of God open my eyes to see it when you do it. That way I don't pass it by and miss the opportunity to grab hold of what you have for me in uh, in the scope of my destiny for this day. So Father, we just come to you today in the blessed holy name of your son Jesus. Lord God, I know that there's no other access to you. It's not my own self-righteousness, Lord God. It's not our names. It's not our ministries. Lord God, it's it's not our our, our works. But Lord God, it is strictly and totally, Lord God, because of uh, grace through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And so today, Lord God, we thank you that we have access into your presence. And we thank you, Lord God, that, that the way that you see us, Lord God, it is not uh, rewarding us according to our iniquities, Lord God, or our transgressions. But you see us, Lord God, when we walk in faith and in repentance, Lord God, in humility of heart. You see us through the blood of your Son, Jesus. And so today, Lord God, we come to that throne room of grace and mercy, Lord God, to obtain help in our time of need. We ask, Lord God, that you would do a work, Lord God, first and foremost, Lord God, in our hearts and in our lives today. That you would do, Lord God, a thorough examination. If there's any uh, uh, unforgiveness, there's any wickedness, there's any sin, Lord God. Whatever there might be, strife, jealousy, anger, contention. Whatever there might be inside of us, Lord God, that is not just readily identifiable, Lord God, by the uh, physical eye. We pray, Lord God, that you would expose those things, that they might be brought into the light, Lord Jesus. So we can uh, cast those things down, vain imaginations, or anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord God, right now that today that we would be changed and transformed, Lord God, going from glory to glory. That you would, Lord God, not let us make the same mistakes or fall into the same error, the same traps. But that, Lord Jesus, we'd be enlightened in our hearts and our lives to walk in holiness, Lord God, and to endeavor, Lord God, to know you in a greater and more intimate way today. Father, I pray for those that are sick and infirm in their physical bodies. Lord God, those that have been diagnosed with cancer, Lord God. Those that have other maladies that are, that are troubling them, Lord God. Those that have been sick with the flu or arthritis or, or whatever the sickness is. Lord God, I thank you that the blood of Jesus is enough. And, and Lord God, your word has declared that, that by his stripes we are healed. And I pray, Lord God, for the healing, the physical healing, Lord God, of your people in Jesus' name. I ask for the, the manifest miracles, Lord God, of your power, Lord God, to show up and show out. Lord God, Father, we just stand in faith today, believing for all those that we love, that we're praying for, Lord God, even ourselves, that need a touch from Jesus today, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would just break the back of the adversary once and for all, Lord God, over our hearts and lives. And we trust you, Lord God, and believe in our hearts, Lord God, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, comprehend, Lord God, uh, communicate in any type of way. That, Lord Jesus, there is a, a finished work on the cross of Calvary, Lord God. When you hung, bled, and died, Lord God, and rose again, there was provision made for every single one of our needs. And you said if we'll seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord God, these things would be added unto us. Lord God, not just a place to live, not just food in our belly, Lord God, but the provisions for the spirit man, the provisions, Lord God, for the, the physical man, Lord God, the restoration. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that every physical obstacle, Lord God, that would hinder, Lord God, the, the preaching of your gospel, Lord God, your servants that have been riddled by sickness or disease or fatigue or distress, Lord God, whatever it might be, I pray by the blood of Jesus today, Lord God, that you would cause minds to be clear, Lord God. Physical bodies to come under obedience, Lord God. They would come in order, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that you are the author, the finisher of our faith. Lord God, that you are the one that formed and fashioned us, Lord God, while we were yet in our mother's wombs. You hold the blueprint, Lord God. You hold the patent on all of those things. And I pray and I'm asking for creative healing miracles, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Just as you went out and, and you healed all manner of sickness and disease and you sent out your disciples, Lord God, we send out that, that word of healing and restoration today, Lord God, to the nations, Lord God, from time zone to time zone, nation to nations, from across borders, Lord God, between ages, Lord God, and cultures and languages. I pray that in the name of Jesus, Lord God, as people are crying out for you all over the world to this morning, that healing would begin to come, Lord God, that you would confirm the preaching of your word with signs and wonders following in the name of Jesus, that as your word is sent forth, you said you've sent it to heal us, Lord God, and as we study the word, as we know the word, who is the living word, 
Word, Jesus Christ, who come and dwelt among us, Lord God, that that Word, Lord God, would do what it was sent to do, it would accomplish, Lord God, that, that wherewith, Lord God, you have sent it and you've desired for it to do. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We ask that souls would be brought into the kingdom. Lord God, that you would cause an urgency, Lord God, to come upon your people to, to go, Lord God, and preach the gospel to every creature, Lord God, that those that believe and are baptized shall be saved, Lord God, knowing the stark realization that those that do not believe are damned and they are damned already, Lord God. Let us, Lord God, go out into the harvest field of souls, Lord God. Let us have that that compassion that we talked about yesterday, Lord God, out of uh, Luke, uh, I mean, of, of Matthew nine thirty five and thirty six, Lord God, in the name of you, let us be moved in our hearts and in our lives, in our ministries, in our homes by the exact same things that move you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And let we that bear that name of Christ, Lord God, be reflections of the person, the character, and the urgency, the message, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. We may break out and just have a prayer meeting this morning. <laughs> Praise be unto God. I don't know about you folks, man, but I am. I'm excited about serving Jesus and the prospects of what, what we have waiting for us in this precious hour. I've said many times that uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and I'll just, I'll just read that real quick, because I think it just kind of underscores uh, our opportunities in the, in the Word of God and the truth. But he said in, in Matthew uh, chapter 13, verse 17, he said, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things that you see and desired to hear what you hear and to see them, and, but they have not heard them. And folks, listen, we are getting to hear. And, and, and I think about uh, Deb. I'm going to talk to her off screen here since she's here with me. We, we think about the time when Jesus went and he, he went into the synagogue and he opened up the, the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he said, today, he said, prophecy is being fulfilled in your ears. Folks, today, right now, here on what is it, the, the 15th of August in 2007, I got news for you that prophecy is being fulfilled in your ears. That, that, that there's people desire to hear the things that we get to hear, to see what we get to see, and they, they did not get to hear or see those type of things. We are part of that terminal generation that with our own ears, Jesus said in, in the Gospel of Matthew, He said, there's some that be standing here that will not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in His glory with His angels. And I believe that we are the ones that our ears are being tuned to the, to the voice of that trumpet that one day is going to sound and it's, we're going to see the manifestation of what it said in Revelation 4.1 where he spoke to, 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 to John in, in, that, in, in speaking of that, that end times. He said, come up hither and I will show you those things that must shortly come to pass. There is about to be a catching away. There's about to be an, an unfolding of events that are going to usher in literally uh, the, the end times in the millennial kingdom and, and, and we're going to be able to, 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 to forever be with the Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, in the meantime, man, we have got work to do because He is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And that should also be our desire that none should perish that, that all should come to repentance. That, that if there's, there, there's any hope, there's a remnant there according to the election of grace that, that the book of Romans says that man, we need to be fishermen out there snatching people from the jaws of hell that they might know exactly what we know as well. Why? Because that was the heart the passion and the compassion of Jesus when He began to look at the multitudes that we saw. And so I encourage you to begin to... to if you didn't get to catch that message yesterday, you need to get a hold of that and, uh, and, and hear the entirety of yesterday's teaching because I believe it will do good. Matter of fact, you need to begin to copy those things. We've talked about that in the past and hand those things out. People need to get a hold of what Jesus was all about because it is uh, too much of it is missing uh, in the church, in the body of Christ, and we have got the opportunity to... 
to, to literally be, be groundbreakers and history makers for the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel. And you guys, they're not waiting for someone, I said last night. Somebody is waiting for you to be obedient. We've got to personalize that because there's someone that God is putting in your path that you're going to be that voice, you're going to be that light, you're going to be that gospel message that they, that they may not ever hear by picking up a, a, a Bible, but you're going to be the one that brings the clarity of the truth that's literally going to change their lives and their souls for all eternity. Get busy about the kingdom. Folks, in yesterday's class, we began to look at these eight, what I'm going to call critical verses of Scripture here in Romans chapter 5, verses, uh, what is it, 12 through 18, to establish really that the, the, the depravity and destitution of every person who's came from that lineage of, uh, of Adam. And, and who, who is that, folks? That's everybody. Every single one, all have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God. We, we, we know that from uh, Romans uh, 3.23. But what we talked about yesterday was that, that, that something had entered in that through that complete uh, lineage that, that everyone that has ever been born, let me say it again, everyone that has ever been born carries literally that spiritual gene that always produces Death. I mentioned yesterday, you know, you, you may uh, have come from a family that your mother and father are, have dark hair and they have a child that's born with blonde hair. Why? Because somewhere in that family there was a recessive gene for blonde hair. But folks, the thing about sin, sin is not a, reset, a recessive gene. It is not a, a, a dormant uh, commodity that comes into your life. It is the dominant factor in every single person that has ever been born since the fall of Adam. From day one, when, when, when he and Eve began to, uh, to begin to produce children, we see that in the story of, of Cain and Abel. Cain was born. He, he came in. There, there had been no murderers prior to that. There has been no one that done that prior to Cain. But because of the fall and the imputation of sin through the fall of Adam, his own son murdered and, and, and took innocent blood of his, 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 his brother Abel because of anger, because of jealousy, because of, of wrath. And so that, that murderous spirit has entered in. And if it was bad then, folks, I tell you what, what about now? Those things just continue to progress. They, they continue to manifest themselves. And, and, and you think about the effects of sin that have, that have, that have been compounded. We, we talked about yesterday how you had somebody like Adam that lived 930 years. He was given such a responsibility, dominion over the fish of the, the, the sea and the birds of the air and the things that, that crawled upon the earth. And he had to name those things. And he had complete uh, uh, use of his, his, his intellectual faculties. Folks, they tell us now that we may use, what, less than 10% of the, the capabilities of our brain. I saw a thing on the internet the other day, a picture, that showed a man that they had, he had been having headaches and they did an uh, examination of his, his skull and that he had virtually no brain. That there is some type of condition. They said people that have that condition usually do not have that type of functionality. But literally, I mean, he had just a, a small uh, a membrane type of layer around his outer skull, but the inside of his head was virtually hollow. But they said his IQ when they tested was just a little bit lower than normal. What does it tell you? It tells you that we are we are functioning on fumes. And through the things that are happening in our society, the degradation and the debauchery, we can see that literally we have not had the mind of Christ. And, but Adam had those type of things. But there's been a progressive, really, uh, uh, materialization of the destitution and debauchery of sin. You know, he lived 930 years. I mentioned my grandmother lived 101 years, just a fraction of his age. If people make it to 80 or 90, we think that's really good things. But man was created to live in a physical body without sin for eternity perpetually regenerated because sin is what kills. But from the time that you exit your mother's womb, death 
is, is set upon you. So just as a parent passes on physical characteristics that make the child identifiable, uh, identifiable to others as our offspring, so Adam's choice of death over life has passed along that death trait to his offspring. Folks, every single person that is born has that, 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 that dominant death trait inside of them. And I want, to, I want to tell you something. While God told Israel that the consequences of some of their sins would cause the iniquities of the Father, you're familiar with that, to, to be visited upon their children in the third and fourth generations, and you'll see that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, and Numbers 14, 18, and Deuteronomy 5, 9. I'll give that to you so you can look at it. Exodus 25, 20 and 5, Numbers 14, 18, and Deuteronomy 5, 9. So the Israel specific sins for them would be visited upon their children for the third and fourth generations. Think about that. But the iniquities of Adam as the, the father, as the, 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 the beginning of all creation, have been visited upon all mankind without interruption for the past 6,000 years. Generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. And he was the only bloodline or the DNA, and he corrupted all that would follow. So let's look at Romans 5.12. Once again, and it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So sin entered into the world, and what was the consequence? Death was sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. Folks, I, I cannot uh, overemphasize this point, that, that we cannot uh, cease to realize that apart from being grafted in according to Romans 11, 17 through 24, and thus becoming a part of the bloodline of the only one ever born apart from the corrupted seed of Adam, which was Jesus Christ, obviously, then we will lose that urgency that is necessary to walk worthy of that vocation wherein we have been called, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Folks, we cannot cease to, to, to have that type of urgency. We've got to realize that every single person that we cross, that we know, that we're family with, that we're friends with, every single person is born with that death trait. And once, the, once we breathe our first breath, we are on a beeline for death, hell, and destruction. And the only one that could salvage us is the one that was willing to cut us off from that, that, that reprobate nature that we had and to graft us into Him. He has influenced us by grace. He has saved us through the agency of faith. He has transformed us by the, the Holy Spirit and faith in His blood. And He has allowed us to be cut off from that source, to be grafted in, to come to another source that instead of death perpetually flowing through our, our, our soul, now life comes in and is bringing a change a transformation as we abide in Him. We cannot ever, ever lose sight of the fact that if, 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 if that, that every single person is in desperate need of Jesus. Because if we do, we will cease to walk worthy of our vocation. You know what a vocation is? Your vocation is your job. It's your responsibility. And I, I believe what has happened, and we talk about and have talked about many times on this program and through Raven Ministries in general and, 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 and some of our people that affiliate with us, just the urgency and the necessity to go tell people about Jesus. But because people do not have a realization or an understanding of what we talked about yesterday out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and, and 36, and, and, and even uh, uh, Mark chapter uh, 16, just the whole urgency of going and telling people, we cease to walk worthy of that vocation wherever we have been called. Once again, Ephesians 4.1. You need to go back and read that sometime. 
But we've got to realize that, that, that mankind is in dire straits. They're in, in desperate, despicable situations. But you and I, as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors for Christ, we, we, we have the answer for everyone in the name of Jesus. And apart from that name, there, there's no salvation. My, my heart literally breaks when I think about the, the, the spiritual destitution of the, of the, the church or the, the organizations that, that bear His name. I was watching yesterday uh, and talking about a, uh, a video that I acquired of an interview of two notable uh, evangelists. And one, one was on the program of another one. And one is probably the most prominent evangelist in the last 50 years. And if I had the video, I'd show it to you. But because I don't have it, for you can see it out of your own mouth, I'm not even going to quote his name. I'll show it to you sometimes so you can have it. But the question began to arise about uh, the body of Christ. And, and this noted evangelist began to declare that you know God is calling out a people. Now, if he'd have stopped right there, I wouldn't have had any problem with it. He said he's calling them out from the Muslims, the Hindus, and the, the unbelieving world. And he said to make a people of himself. And he said many of those people don't even know it. They're unconsciously our, our believer. And he said, I consider them the body of Christ. And, and the guy questioned him. He said, so what you're saying is, there's people that have never heard about the Bible or have never heard about Jesus that are born again, is basically what he said. He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. Folks, that is exactly contrary to the Word of God. That is a doctrine of devils that will lead people straight to hell. There is no salvation in any other name, but at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. I don't care if you call yourself an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. I don't care if you're on television, have written many books. There is but one book that, that holds the, the keys to life and is the Word of the living God, heaven and earth. Televangelist preachers, pastors will pass away but he said his word will not pass away. There is only one way one truth, one life, one way to get to the Father and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said if you'll believe in your heart that, that, uh, and, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, not some unconscious goodness, but the Lord Jesus Christ and, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There is no other way but Jesus Christ. There's not some uh, universalism or some ecumenicalism or anything else. There is just Jesus and Jesus alone. And I don't care, as Paul the Apostle said in Galatians chapter 1, if anyone else comes, whether they be an angel of heaven, whether it's this guy sitting right here at this desk today uh, talking to you, preaches any other gospel but the one that you've heard through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you let them be accursed. Regardless of notoriety, regardless of their legend or their celebrity, let them be accursed. And you call it what Jesus calls it. And you, and you call it error. And you call it deception. And you call it a doctrine of devils. And that's all I'm going to say about that this morning. Probably enough, wasn't it? But folks, if we, uh, if we lose that, that, that urgency or that understanding, if the, if the urgency is lost, then the, uh, if, or the understanding is lost, I should say, then the urgency is lost. And if the urgency is lost, then the obedience to following His command is lost. I want to say all that again. If the understanding of this principle is lost, then the urgency is lost. And if the urgency is lost, then the obedience to following His command is lost. What, Mark, what command? Mark sixteen fifteen to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if the command is lost, then we will find ourselves once again shipwrecked in our faith according to 1 Timothy 1.9. And I'm not going to read that, but you can go to that. And literally cut off from the lineage of righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ, which is Romans 1.22. Folks, listen. We, if, if we cease to understand those principles, 
that, that, that is saying right here in Romans that, that through one man's sin centered into the world and, 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 and that, that death by sin and so death passed unto all men if we lose that understanding of that uh, then, and it's lost then our urgency to tell anybody about it is lost and is that not what we have seen in this last generation? We've seen that there's, there's, no, uh, there's no urgency to go and tell. What we want to do is we want to come and sit in the warehouses that we call church, our, our bigger barns, and we want to build those things, but there's really no urgency. There, there's no demand coming off of pulpits for someone to be thoroughly equipped to go and preach the gospel to the kingdom, of, of the kingdom to the lost and dying. All they want is, is them to be nice, not beat their wives too much or drink too much or do too many bad things, but just to come back the next week and, and write that check and to be nice people and talk about good things, talk about Bible things, but never do the primary thing that we have been called to, to and, 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 and commissioned to do the, or, or to walk worthy of that vocation wherewith we have been called. Folks, we've, the understanding of these things is lost because if we truly understood, we would be doing more about those things. And so what happens is there is a shipwreck that comes because of the disobedience to the commands of God. And think about John chapter 15, verse 10. He said, if, if he says what? He says, if you keep my commands, you then shall abide in my love. What if you don't? Then you won't abide in His love. He says, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Now Jesus was 100% faithful to the Father's commands. He said, he said, the only thing that I speak is what I've heard the Father speak. Now I want to know what you're speaking. I want to know what, what your actions are speaking. Are your actions echoing the words of Jesus? Are your uh, actions uh, indicative of the reason that Jesus came, which is to seek and to save that which was lost? Because unless we are abiding in that place, we are none of His. Unless we are walking, unless we are denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following after Him, we are not representative of Jesus Christ. We are representative of this world. We are representative of what I was talking about, of that, 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 that folex, of that, 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 that fake uh, uh, substitute thing that, that looks valuable from a distance, but under closer examination, it is nothing but a total imposter. But we know that from the Word. That it says, do you not know that, that in the last days that men will give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of, of devils? That He said, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they are of God. For many religious imposters have gone out into the world. And just like some, some um, bogus barker on a street corner in New York City is selling uh, fake purses and fake jewelry. You know what? There's... Uh, pulpiteers that are standing in, in churches all over America and in other countries that are standing offering a phony baloney gospel that looks good from a distance but under the thorough examination of the Holy Ghost and, and, and applied and, and put uh, under close scrutiny of the blood of Jesus, those things have absolutely no value and the only thing that they're good for is the same thing that that, 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 that Folex is going to be good for in a short amount of time and that's to be thrown on a rubbish heap somewhere. And so folks, the Word of God says that you know a tree by the fruit that it bears and a tree that does not bear forth or, or bring forth the carpose fruit, that reproductive fruit that can only come from the urgency and the understanding of what He is trying to tell us is only good for one thing it is to be cut down and to use to be cast into the fire but there has been this firewood gospel that has been so perpetuated through the church, why? Because no one is grabbing a hold of the fact that we, uh, are, are, because of one man's sin, sin entered in and death entered in and there has got to be 
and urgency and the only breath is that theonustos, that breath of God that we, we breathe into someone to resuscitate them from the deadness of their life and of their sin through the preaching of the gospel. Why? Because He has chosen the foolishness of preaching the gospel to resuscitate, to save that which was lost. But without that theonustos, without the preaching of the, the gospel of the cross of Jesus to, to repent you therefore and be converted, the times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Basically, what we're not filling up churches. We are just filling up graveyards of the deadness of man's souls and, and calling those things the houses of God and houses of worship. But all they do is stand as a testimony, as a memorial to the disobedience and the lack of understanding of mankind. And we've got to get back to a place of understanding those things. If you keep my commands and if you abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in His love, to abide means to continue steadfastly without departing from and remaining in a particular state or condition. So if I'm abiding, there is a steadfastness. There is something that I will not depart from and I will remain in a condition, in a state of being. And so folks, we are born, when we are born, we are immediately in a state of congestive heart failure. Think about that. Our heart is wicked. And so I want you to listen to this description that I, I wrote down uh, and, and typed. Uh, from the, uh, the, the regarding the medical condition known as congestive heart failure. Most of you have heard that before. And this is a description given by the American Heart Association. I want you to see how it relates to the spiritual condition of all of mankind apart from the new birth of Jesus Christ. Here's what they said, the American Heart Association. It says, congestive heart failure, or CHF, or heart failure, is a condition in which the heart can't pump enough blood to the body's other organs. And this can result from... And I'll get that in a minute. Now think just about that part. It's a condition where the heart ceases to be efficient in pumping blood to other parts of the body. Now, folks, isn't that what has happened to the church? Exactly. The church has lacked the efficiency and the urgency or the understanding to pump the life-giving blood, the life-giving message, the life-giving urgency to other parts of the body. Folks, Read the Corinthian letter, first chapter. It says that we are the body fitly joined together, each supplying the need of the other. You, you see the exact same thing in, in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. We are the body. That, that part can't say to the other part, I have no need of you. But when the heart fails... And folks, the heart of Jesus is souls. The heart of Jesus is all of those that receive the imputation of sin through the fall of Adam. His heart is souls. But folks, if we listen to that, and what the, the problem is with that, that heart failure that's come into the church is the fact that, that once we cease from that, we cease to supply that source to other parts of the body. Now folks, I could take my hand right now. My hands are healthy. My hands work. My hands have a grip. But if I put something to restrain the blood flow of those things uh, from my hand and I, I tied a, a rubber band and I cease those things, you know, after a while my hand would lose its color. After a while, it, be, it would become stiff. And after a while, it would become totally useless. Why? Because it, is it, is, have I cut it off? No, but I've cut the source off, the life-giving source. And eventually, even though that it looks like it's a part of my body, even though it's still attached, it will die. And you know what it's eventually going to do? Not only will it die itself, that's the first thing it's going to do. It's going it's, it's to cease to be animated. It's going to cease to have any functionability. But as long as that thing is dead and connected to me, it will eventually begin to affect the entirety of my body. The deadness of my hand will, will seep into other areas. It will cause blood poisoning. You've heard of those type of things. You can step on a nail and you can get uh, blood poisoning from those things. And what is it going to do? That blood poisoning, where is it going to strike? 
If you get a blood clot, where do they not want that blood clot to get to? That thing will come to your heart. And so folks, what has happened within the church is the church has, has gotten blood, spiritual blood poisoning. They've got these, these spiritual blood clots that have been clotted up by sin, uh, clotted up by false teaching, clotted up by a, a, sin, a lack of a sense of urgency. And those things have broken off. And what they've done is they've struck the heart of the church and they've caused spiritual heart attacks to take place. And what you do is you have all these bodies that look like something, but they're just laying there dead and they need to be spiritually resuscitated. Now, Here's what it says. It says that that congestive heart failure, and this is back to that definition given by the American Heart Association. It says this can result from coronary artery disease, which is clogged arteries that supply blood to the heart muscle. Folks, listen. There's been such a clogging spiritually of the flow. There's been a clogging because pastors have been afraid to preach it because they're afraid someone's going to fire them. Well, you know, don't let them hire you to begin with. Don't become a hireling. Only hirelings can get fired. Do you hear me? And so don't worry about getting fired. Why? Because your, your pulpit just isn't that, not, not that nice uh, oak, uh, that oak lectern that you stand behind on a Sunday morning. Your pulpit ought to be every place that the sole of your feet treads upon. If they want to throw you out of that building, stand on the front porch of that church or stand on the street corner and begin to preach from the outside in. Your, your, your pulpit is not limited by those type of things. If they want to clog you up by threatening to fire you or threatening to cut your salary off, quit being a hireling to begin with. Go start a work and raise up a people that are, that are called by His name, that will repent and believe the gospel. And so if you're afraid of some board of directors firing you, don't become a hireling to begin with. Don't yoke yourself together with that type of wickedness. Stand on the affirmation that God has called you and He's ordained you and He has sent you out. Be like John Wesley when they wouldn't even let him preach in the pulpit of his father. He went outside and literally stood on the headstone of his father and began to preach the Word. And we know today that, that, that many people were saved as a result of his faithfulness to do it outside of those things. But something has been clogged. They've, they've clogged by fear. The, 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 the church has been clogged by a lack of financial resources. Folks, if you're in a church that is not doing it, stop giving your money to that church. You know, you justified it. You said, listen, I've got to give to the... Uh, to the storehouse. What are they storing? They are. It is. It is rotting. And you, what you are doing is you are just putting food in a, in a freezer that has already been turned off. It is rotting. It is stinking. And it is. It's like casting your your financial pearls before swine. Don't do it. Sow it into some ministry that's out preaching the gospel. If you got somebody in your community that's hitting the streets, that's winning people to Jesus, start writing your check to them. Start doing it. The Lord showed me a vision about a year ago. And it showed this mega church. This pastor was up there boasting in this vision about everything that he had and all the things that they had. And, and so he passed these big barrels for the offering. And so all the people, they took up the offering and they brought them forth. The ushers did. They set them in front of that pastor. He looked down and there was nothing inside of the barrels. And it was like he asked the questions, what happened? And the people said, well, you said that we were rich and had no need of anything. And so we're not going to put anything into it anymore. We're going to put our resources into the harvest field. And I believe that there's a paradigm shift coming even in the area of that clogged up finances. That you've got people going into jails that, that don't even have the gas to get there. You've got people that are feeding the hungry that have to go hungry themselves. You've got people traveling into other countries going feeding lepers and orphans that they're having to take literally the shirts off of their own back. Start giving them those resources. Start giving them those things because they truly are the storehouse of the Lord God Almighty. And I'll leave that one alone just for a second. One of the other things that can result, that can cause congestive heart failure is a past heart attack or a mitocardial infarction with scar tissue that interferes with the heart muscle's normal work. Folks, a lot of things that keep that is a past experience. 
Somebody will say, listen, I'm not going to do that because I got hurt in church or I'm not going to be obedient to what God has said. Folks, that causes heart failure. It is a past thing that, that causes a scarring of those things. And as I say that, I think about Luke chapter 5. Let me read that to you real quick. Luke chapter 5. And it's when Jesus went and began to call His disciples. Folks, our past experiences, our past failures, our past situations, they can cause heart failure. They can cause that congestive heart failure to come upon us. But what should the answer be to those type of things? It should be exactly what was spoken of. And I'm not going to read the whole of it. I'm going to read uh, verse 43 out of Luke 4. It says, uh, Jesus speaking, He said, I must preach the gospel of God to other cities, for therefore am I sent. Folks, listen, we've got to preach the gospel to, to all the cities. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Why? Because that's what we've been sent for. I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where, what you, where you came from. But I'm not the only one that's been sent. Everybody has been sent to somebody. Everyone has been sent to your own Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. You've got a place and, and a call and a destiny that God has sent you to to preach the gospel. But he went and he began to call his disciples. And the same thing happened. He told, he told Simon Peter, he went out on his boat, and, and he told him, he said, uh, he said Simon, let down your, your nets uh, for, for a draught or a catch of fish. And it said, Simon said unto him, Master... We have done it before. We've toiled all night and we have taken in nothing. In other words, we've been there before. We've been hurt before. We've experienced those things before. But then he said something that we need to, we need to have in our vocabulary. He said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Amen. Folks, listen. You may have had a past heart attack. You may have fallen flat on your face one time trying to be obedient to God. You may have said, You know what? I tried it before and I caught nothing. I tried it before and nothing happened. But you've got to forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. You've got to adopt the nevertheless type of mentality. You've got to say to yourself, I know where I've been, I know what I've done, but I've got to believe Jesus that this is a new day, that, 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 that God is causing everything to work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. I love Him, I'm called according to His purpose, and that I'm sure of this one thing, that He that began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete that work even to the day of Christ Jesus. And if I have to fail a million times, you can expect me to be obedient a million and one times. And God is going to honor those type of things. And so that the uh, uh, congestive heart failure comes because of a past heart attack. Get past it. Get over it. Also from, from hypertension. From, from, from a narrowing of, of the blood flow. Folks, listen, there, is, there has been just a trickle of blood. There's been a, a pressure that has come upon those, those arteries. Now, you folks that are preaching the gospel, there is a pressure that has put up, been put upon you. There's a pressure that when you begin to uh, preach the gospel, there's, there, you're pressurized sometimes, and, and you're, people are pressured, and they're saying, you know what, you need to back off. You need to, to be a little bit more uh, gentle. You need to show a little bit more mercy. Folks, mercy is not saying it's okay. Mercy is doing everything that you can to snatch somebody from darkness. That's what genuine mercy is. Mercy is doing whatever the circumstance needs. To the, to the, to the bound by devils, mercy is casting that devil out. To the hungry, mercy is giving something for them to eat. To the, to the homeless, mercy is finding them a place to live. And so you, you, you suffer this pressure from your situations, from your uh, environment, from relationships. That causes con spiritual congestive heart failure. Another thing the American Heart Association says causes uh, CHF is uh, the primary disease of the heart muscle itself, itself called uh, cardiomyopathy. And that's just when you've got heart disease. Now, maybe you've got sin in your life. That's what heart disease is. 
You know, it's a spiritual heart disease that you have. Folks, there is one remedy for that and one remedy on and that is just repent. There's nothing that you can do about that but repent and believe the gospel. It's casting down all those things and saying, Lord Jesus, I have failed you. I have done miserable things and I need you to forgive me for my sins and allow the blood of Jesus to come in. And he said, if you're just faithful to confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to heal you of your primary heart disease and your, your, your spiritual uh, cardiomyopathy as well. And the last thing is, and this is what we're talking about here in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The other thing that can cause CHF is heart defects that have been present at birth or congenital heart defects. And so when the Word says, Wherefore, as by one man sin centered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for the sin. Folks, listen. There has been a trait, there has been a DNA that has been injected into humankind, to mankind, that has been present since birth, that has caused this spiritual congestive heart failure, or CHF, that it is a congenital heart defect that is destroying us from the very moment that we are born. But folks, listen to this. i got some good news for you today. In Christ Jesus, we have been given a spiritual heart transplant. Do you hear me? We have been given a spiritual heart transplant. But I want to say this. And it's uh, it's interesting that my, my my sister in the Lord uh, Shane popped on, and she made the uh, because she has a sister that has undergone multiple transplants, both liver and kidney transplants. But folks, for for every transplant, there is a requirement for a lifelong program of anti rejection drugs to keep the body from rejecting the newly acquired organ. Now I want you to think about that in a spiritual sense. That with every transplant, there is a requirement for a lifelong program of anti-rejection drugs to keep the body from rejecting that newly acquired organ. Without these anti-rejection drugs, the body will view the new heart as an invaded entity and will destroy that heart from within. Isn't that, isn't that something to think about? That is is what you will see in many people's lives who claim to be born again and experience at one time or another is they'll get saved, but they will not maintain that relationship with God or that urgency, and they will reject the heart of Jesus from within. Heart transplants, folks, are rare because of the limited number of donor hearts available. There are many on the waiting list, but the number of actual recipients is very limited. Now think about that. The Word says in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, it says, Many are called, but few are chosen. In Matthew seven fourteen, it says, Straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. So folks, listen, there are very few people that will actually get on that list and, and be recipients of the heart transplant. Uh, unfortunately, that's, that's the situation. But those that get it, those of you that have had that, you better stay on that regimen of that. And the anti-rejection drugs of the spiritual heart transplant wherein Jesus becomes our donor, our prayer, they are worship, they are holiness, and they are obedience to the great commission of God. Do you hear me? That regimen that you had better stay on or you will find that, that new heart attacked from the inside and it will fail you and you will go right back into that situation of CHF. You have got to stay prayed up. You have got to stay in a, in a state of worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have got to walk in a condition of holiness and you have got to walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That combination of anti-rejection drugs and your spiritual being is the only thing that will keep you alive. The only thing that will keep you from rejecting that donor heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says, let this mind be in you, what he was talking Let the heart of Jesus be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we come to Him in repentance, folks, it's just like the scalpel of the convicting power of the Holy Ghost opens up our chest and removes the dead old heart, that one that failed us, that one that suffered from, from, uh, from the uh, congenital heart defect of, our, of our, our, our birthright in Adam. And He takes His heart, He takes His place, and He puts it inside of our heart, and it begins to beat and it begins to flow. But the only way it's going to stay in that condition is as long as we stay in prayer, we stay in worship, we stay in holiness, and we stay in obedience to the things of God. Luke 1.17 says this. It says, He shall go before Him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. There was a movie that I saw on television a while back and it was about a man whose son needed a heart transplant. And uh, they, they couldn't for insurance purposes. I can't even remember exactly all the details of the movie. I didn't see it all. But this, this man, his son needed a heart transplant, but the, for whatever reason, the hospital wouldn't do it. And so the man was willing to go in and literally kill himself so that his son could. He, he told him, he said, if you, if you don't do it, he said, I know that I'm a match. And he said, I'll lay on this gurney and I'll blow my own brains out so that my son can have my heart. The end of the story didn't work out that way. There was another donor heart came in. Folks, listen. God didn't threaten to, to kill Himself to give us His heart. He really did that when He hung upon the, the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ done, He sacrificed His own self. Folks, there cannot be a heart transplant unless somebody else dies. Do you hear me? It takes the death of someone else. That's why it is so rare. It took the blood of Jesus Christ dying for us, opening up Himself, pouring Himself out into us that we can have it. And folks, listen, we've got to understand that with that type of urgency. And that's what I'm talking about today. We've got to see the desperation of where we were. We were dying. We were withering away. We were, all, we were on a spiritual life support system, withering away by the moment on a beeline to death, hell, and destruction. But at the last minute, He came through for us and He implanted and imparted and imputed His holiness and righteousness into our lives. And now, as long as we we stay on the anti-rejection drugs of holiness and of righteousness, of prayer, of worship, and obedience to the Great Commission. That heart continues to beat, and we begin continue to be strong, and we begin to walk worthy of that vocation where have we have been called. And the heart of the Father has been turned unto the children. Now think about this out of Colossians chapter one, verses twenty-one through twenty-three. I'm not going to get near as far this morning as I hope to, but I hope that I'm doing justice to, to to the Word of God, and you're getting some understanding and something that you can grab a hold of this morning. But Colossians chapter one, verses one through twenty, verses twenty-one through twenty-three says this: "And you, who's you? That's you, okay? Not somebody else. Who you? Who once was alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works." Yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death. There's that ultimate blood donor, that heart donor. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed, come on, here's those anti-rejection drugs, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Folks, you are reconciled in the body. You have been healed and redeemed from congestive spiritual heart failure. If, if you continue in the faith, if you are continually grounded and steadfast, and if you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have 
heard. Folks, do you know that with every heart transplant that they require a living donor? And they require the living donor to die. They can't store those things up. You hear me? As soon as the donor dies, there is a mad rush to put that in your heart. They can't say, listen, there's a lot of people out in the graveyards who's, 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 who's dying. Let's go dig one of them up and take their heart. It takes someone that was alive giving their heart to you. That through whatever the situation was, that their heart was given unto you. Because of this, we should be mindful and, and, and demonstrate great care necessary to maintain our new heart. We need to maintain that. or our new It's because our old nature will, uh, uh, will desire to reject those type of things. So we've got to have that type of critical type of mentality that says, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep that old nature from seeking to reject and seeking to destroy our newfound relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I cannot underscore the importance of understanding the truth of Romans 5.12 to you this morning. The declaration that says, By one man sin entered into the world, and by death sin, and so that death passed upon all men. I cannot tell you the, uh, the importance of just understanding that truth. Some of you have probably heard me speak of a time when I was walking down uh, Bourbon Street to go witness in, in New Orleans. And... Uh, I was sharing with the fact that I was walking down, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, what would you do if a young girl ran out of one of these buildings on fire? And I spoke to the Lord and I said, Lord, I would do whatever it took to put her out. And He said, they're all on fire. You know, that shows the urgency. You know, how many, how many people need a spiritual heart transplant? Everyone. How many of them are dying? Everyone. Regardless of what they look like on the outside, regardless of how sweet and happy, regardless of how wicked they are, regardless of their situation or what we perceive in the natural, every single one of them are in desperate need of a heart transplant from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so unless we realize that we are dealing with a dying world, do you hear me? We're not dealing with just a, a world that is, is somewhat confused or whatever. We are dealing with a, 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 a world that, that literally stinks with death. It stinks with, with perversion, pornography, sexual immorality, with drunkenness, alcoholism, uh, uh, false doctrine. It, it, it reeks with, with, with selfishness and pride and arrogance and unforgiveness and, and, and all of the greed. It reeks with the, the death smell of those type of things. And unless we realize that we are dealing with a dying world, then there will never be the urgency to do anything about it. And if we do not do anything about it or to combat it, then we will also be infected by that which will cause our old man to reject our transplanted hearts as well. Folks, listen, we cannot cut off something and expect that thing to just dangle there lifeless. That thing will come back to bite us. That, that damaged appendage, that damaged piece of the body will, 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 will come back and that the, its, its, its rottenness will come back and infect us. So we cannot remain silent while parts of the body have, have, have cut themselves off and they have ceased to allow the blood flow. You know, people say to me all the time, Listen, you just need to be nice and, and don't say anything about these, these wretched preachers of uh, apostasy. Don't say anything about them. Don't call them out. Folks, I'm obligated by the Word of God. I'm obligated on behalf of the complete body to, to call a lie a lie, to call deception deception, to call sin sin, and to, to rebuke, rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. To, to be a watchman that's set up on a hill. Why? Because if I do not warn the wicked, whether that wicked wears a suit and tie on a Sunday morning or that, that, that wicked is laying in some gutter in the, the, in the, the tenderloin of, of San Francisco with a heroin 
heroin needle shoved in his arm. Regardless of the, where the wickedness is or where it originates, if I do not warn them, the Bible says that they die in their wickedness, their blood will be counted in my hand. The, the wickedness of their blood will flow into my body. It will cause a rejection of my heart when I'm not obedient to the things of God. So if you think that you are the spiritual boy in the plastic bubble, that you've been cut off from your responsibility, that no outward influence is going to get into you, that you are in some type of uh, 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 spiritual utopia, in some type of environment, that you've got your own little blood supply or your own little uh, life support system, you are walking in deception. You are you are breathing the same air. You are you are, are partaking of those same type of things, and you have got to be faithful to be that healing voice to the nations to repent to be converted that that refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord according to Acts chapter 3 verse 19. You have got to be that voice of healing and restoration through the preaching of the gospel and to, and to, the, to the binding of that wickedness and that perverse gospel that has come to infiltrate the body of Christ. There are no exceptions. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. And we all have got a responsibility uh, to, to preach the gospel to those that have suffered spiritual heart failure. Most of you, probably that are listening today, would agree with that statement. You'd agree that all have sinned. What is it, Romans 3.23 and Romans 5.12? You, you, you would believe that. You'd believe that, that all people must have a, 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 a relationship with Jesus to be saved uh, in order to avoid going to hell. Probably those that would take the time to, to listen to these lessons would agree with that. Am I, am I correct? But my question is, do you really believe that? Do you hear me? You say you believe it, but my question is, if, if pressed on the subject, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that there's no exceptions, that everybody has sinned, that there's only one righteous, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you, you really believe that when it says all, that it really means all? Now, I'm asking you that question. Do you really believe that? What about the mentally incompetent? What about the person that's, that's, that's born mentally retarded? The, the person that this that does not have a, 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 a mental capacity, what about them? Do you, you believe that, that they too are, 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 are sinful? That they have heart failure? What about that uncivilized tribe that has never heard of Jesus? Do you believe that they're uh, part of the all? What about that good person who demonstrates kindness and, 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 and separates himself and, and lives a, an exemplary life in, as far as the standards of society? Do you believe that, that, that they're part of the all? Or what about that little child that was killed in a car accident, but he never knew anything about Jesus? What about them? Now I'll ask you again. Do you really believe that when it says all have sinned and that death is passed unto all and that the wages or outcome of this is death, that it really means what it says? Folks, once we abandon that undeniable truth that from Adam onward, that we are by the very nature of who we are dead in the trespasses of sin, then we deny the essential element and truth that every man's essential need for a Redeemer is dependent upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says this. It says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the Spirit now that worketh in the children of disobedience. Folks, before we came to Christ Jesus, we were of our Father. But we were of our Father the devil, is what the Word of God says. That from the very time that we were conceived, that we were, we were dead. We were, we were born dead. We were born with a, with a, with a heart failure. When it, when it says this, it says, uh, 
who is quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. That word dead means a state or a condition of being. You did not become dead. You were dead by the very nature of who you were. Dead is not what you de- did. Dead is how we were born. Do you hear me? Dead is not something that we became. He said you were dead by the nature of who you were. And so regardless if I was born in some tribal village or if I was born with with mental incompetence, whether I was born and became a nice, friendly, good person, whether I was born and I was a child, every single one of those conditions says one thing according to the Scripture. It says that I was born. I was born with that sin nature. I was born dead. I was born with that indictment against me. I, I was born headed straight to hell. How was I born? I was dead. That is the word uh, necros. And it means lifeless and completely destitute. Totally lifeless. Totally destitute. There was nothing salvageable. There was not a heartbeat. There was not a faint pulse. There was absolutely nothing. All there was was the stench of death upon my soul. Because of one man, this deadly thing uh, called sin entered the world, or the cosmos is what we talked about, or the human race, and there is but one antidote for it, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, anytime we begin to make concessions for our sin, whether that concession is called mental incompetence, or cultural or geographical isolation, or some self-mitigated goodness, or even our age, we have then uh, uh, struck at the very foundation of what the Word of God has established and have cracked open the door for error and effectively placed this, this some type of asterisk next to the all of sin and left open the possibility for eternal life apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? We cannot do that. Once we open the door, what we have is what we've seen here in 2007. We have got this, 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 this grace without growth. We have got this ease of believism. We have got this wide gate gospel that leads, that leads to hell, death, and destruction. We have got uh, this, this coronary problem with the blood flow. And we have had this spiritual hypertension that causes spiritual heart failure. That's all we have as long as we make concessions for these type of things. King David, the Word says, was a man after God's own heart. And he made it really quite clear in what he wrote in Psalms 51, 1-5. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God. And this is a man after God's own heart. He said, Have mercy according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. He said, Blot out my transgressions. He says, Wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression as my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you might be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. How is he going to do that? Well, here's what he says. He said, Behold! He said, Listen, folks. He said, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Or from the very time that I was formed, I was formed guilty before God. Folks, I realize that this is a very touchy subject, especially when one thinks about little children. And we want to think of them as innocent or as God's little angels. But to do so is just simply not what the Word of God teaches. We are dead and wicked by the very nature of who we are, just by not by what we do. And I'm going to, some of you, and you can look at verse 13, I'm going to close out with this. Verse 13 says this, it says, For until the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Some people have tried to take that and say, well, because people are innocent, they didn't know or they've never heard the gospel. I'm going to tell you tomorrow in tomorrow's class exactly what that means. It does not mean what people have said it meant. And I'll prove that through the Word of God. Don't have any more time today. Folks, appreciate you being here this morning. I've got one bit of advice for you. Get into God's Word. And God's Word will get into you. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.